Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are numbers 3 through 4, Rabbit Trails. The Levites were given specific jobs when it came to dismantling and preparing the tabernacle to move, but some translations make the job assignments appear far more general than they actually were. We will use Numbers 3, 7 as an example. Now, in Hebrew, the words used were shamar mishmareth, which means to keep guard. In most translations, though, it's translated as perform duties, even though that sounds far more vague than keeping guard. To see a list of how different translations treat this verse, click the link below. You'll notice that ESV gets this one right. Note that I'm not an ESV cheerleader, and I still maintain that the best Bible translation is the one you will read. But it is important to realize that all translations are the work of man, and we never go wrong by digging a little deeper. There are a few other verses like this in this chapter if you want to hop down that trail a bit. What did folks do before priests? Before the Levites were instated as priests for Yahweh, the duties that were to become theirs were given to the firstborn male of each family. They acted as the family priest or intermediary between them and whatever gods they worshipped. Now, Yahweh replaced the fir- these firstborn of Israel with the Levites when he adopted them away to exclusively serve in his priesthood. Packing up. In chapter 4, we see specific instructions on packing up the tabernacle and all of its belongings. You'll note that not just anyone could pack up the sacred objects inside, such as the menorah, the ark, etc. Only the priests could do it. The priests had to wrap them carefully in a manner that would prevent others from accidentally touching them, and only once they were carefully wrapped were they transferred over to the Kohathites, another Levitical tribe. Even at that point, the objects were then placed carefully between poles so that the folks carrying them had yet another protective measure and that they just had to hold the poles. Side note, I want to help present a concept of just what an undertaking moving this tabernacle was. Now, it's estimated that the precious metals alone in creating the tabernacle would have totaled around eight tons and the heavy acacia wood used in construction would have been another several tons. This doesn't even count the skins, cloths, and other materials used in the tabernacle, and all of it was designed to be hand-carried. Now, imagine how strong those Levites were. I would not want to go up against them in a dark alley, or accidentally stumble too near the tabernacle where I was not authorized to be. But back to the careful packing. I am struck by this, and it reminds me of something else that Yahweh's been showing me. Look at the special care given to each and every piece of the tabernacle, and how precious they treated each thing. Now, I realize we don't have a tabernacle among us today, but we do have our Father among us, and directly reachable by us in terms of communication, and yet, where's the reverence? Rather than revere the Almighty, we're taught to treat Him as a buddy that we just call on when we need something. 
This has been grieving my spirit, and it's something I'm working on in my own life, holding Yahweh in more reverence and not treating His Word or my relationship with Him as a casual or commonplace thing. In Numbers 3, verses 11 through 13, we have further reiteration of the very special relationship the Levites have to the Father. Further, he clearly tells us that the members of this tribe will serve as a replacement for the firstborn of each family, which is rightfully his. This is a fascinating paragraph to turn over in your mind. I encourage you to digest it slowly today. As far as the Levites go, we are given their numbers according to their father's houses. Note that these numbers are males only, one month old and up. Gerson, the Gershonites, there were 7,500 camping on the west side of the tabernacle. And of Kohath, the Kohathites, which also included the Amorites Am- <laughs> and Israelites. Y'all, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> um, there were 8,600 of those camping on the south side of the tabernacle. Merari, the Murrahites, also included the Malites and the Mushites. And their numbers were 6,200, and they camped on the north side of the tabernacle. Now, in addition to these were Moses and Aaron and their households. All told, the men of the tribe of Levi, one month old and up, made up 22,000, according to my Bible. Actual calculations based on what we are given end up at 22,300, so this may just be an estimate. Here's that photo I shared with you yesterday showing you where each tribe camped, so make sure you visit the post because it's interesting to see. Now, here are the duties of each house of Levi. Moses, Aaron, and sons were the high priest. They set up and took down the tent of meeting. The Kohathites moved the tent of meeting and holy objects. Now, you can read about that in Numbers 4, 4 through 15. The Gershonites moved all the curtains, screens, and roof coverings, Numbers 4, 25 through 26. And the Merarites moved the boards, pillars, bases, sockets, pegs, and cords, Numbers 4, verses 31 through 32. Word time. Now, I want you to look at Numbers 4, 9 at the link below. It reads, And they shall take a cloth of blue and cover the lampstand for the light, with its lamps, its tongs, its trays, and all the vessels for oil with which it is supplied. I want you to look it up in Bible Hub, though, and check it out there. You will see many translations for that one verse at that link, which I've included in my notes here. If you click on the interlinear, which is INT up at the top, you will be taken to another link. I have also included that link. From there, I want you to find Lampstand and click the number that is over it, and you will come to this page. Another link included in my notes. <laughs> you will see there that they're not just talking about a lampstand or a fancy candlestick. It is specifically a menorah, which we saw Yahweh design in Exodus 25, verses 31 through 40. It's important to know that for the visual as we're reading this, and I feel translations have done us an injustice by using lampstand. Our Father uses a lot of symbolism in the Bible that we no longer see in our faith today. Instead, we see a lot of symbolism that's familiar to us, but is not found in the Bible. Today, I was thinking of all of our man-made traditions that we hold up as more important than Yahweh's, and we don't even realize it because it's so ingrained in us. It's what we've always done. Without thinking too hard, I came up with a list of 12 right off the bat. Traditions we hold as if they were commandments that aren't anywhere in the Bible. 
and some of them are in direct contradiction to Yahweh's instructions. We've replaced His holy days with man's holidays and His symbolism with that of our own creation. Messiah took great issue with religious leaders who created their own rules, disregarded Yahweh's rules, and then held theirs up as more important. I think we need to take great care not to do that as well. See Matthew 15, 9. If we're going to have our own symbols and festivals, at the very least, begin by making sure we're honoring Yahweh's and giving His the status they deserve, rather than using our own to replace them. I read a great analogy somewhere this past week when it comes to how we honor Yahweh. A man's wife had a birthday coming up, and she had her heart set on a guitar. She loved music and was sure her husband would fulfill her request out of his love for her. So she asked him to get her one for her birthday gift. When her birthday came around, he excitedly handed her a hockey stick. She was undoubtedly disappointed, but he explained that he really loved hockey, and so in his heart, that was the perfect gift for her. She explained to him that when you love someone, you humble yourself, and you put their heart and its desires above your own. Having a new understanding, he took the hockey stick back and bought his wife a guitar. My point is, if Yahweh is important to us, we should treat him like he is. My heart is aching a bit as I type this, thinking over all the times in my life that I have grieved the Father. He's been so patient, loving, gracious, and full of care when it comes to me. I love Him so dearly. I want to follow after Him. I want to please Him. I want Him to see my gratitude and love in the response to His grace in every facet of my life. I'm saved by His grace alone. It wasn't being obedient that got me saved. But I'll do all I can to be obedient as a result of that precious gift. May we keep our eyes on Him and our focus on matters of eternal significance. I love you, and I'm glad you're here. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.